Hello people and welcome to the latest edition of the Two Half Show. I'm Mosab. Joining me as always is uh, Usama. Usama, how you been bro? You good? Yeah man, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. How are you? Yeah, not bad, not bad. Uh, finally good to have top football back. It was a big derby weekend. We'll of course be discussing all of that. I say let's jump straight into it. Yeah. Big weekend of derby action. We had the North London derby. We also had the Manchester derby, uh, unfortunately for myself. We'll start with the, the Arsenal Spurs game um, on Saturday morning. Quick point. Derby's at 12 o'clock on a Saturday. Thoughts? Uh, nah, it's not for me. Because you're waking up and you're straight in. Uh, as a fan, you're straight turning the TV on. Like you've not marinated, have breakfast, anything. So you just yeah. straight in and it's like, uh, you'd prefer in the afternoon where it's like the build up of it actually kicks in. Yeah, just exactly. Waking up I honestly, when I woke up, I was like, no way it's the early kickoff. It just doesn't make sense to me that you have, you know, the players are going to be getting up early, obviously have to load up on the carbs, try and get their energy early in the day. Uh, and for a big game, I don't know, bro, it put me off it. But what were your thoughts on the North London derby? As a neutral, I loved it. I thought this game had everything, end-to-end, goals, red cards. And yeah, it was a proper fiery derby that beautiful football being played from both teams. And yeah, man, I enjoyed it. Yeah, I, I thought, for me, it was it was definitely a 50-50 game until that red card. Arsenal are, you know, still impressive. That's seven wins out of eight now. Top of the league, of course. But it was at the red card where I thought this game flipped and, and Arsenal continued their domination. Obviously, that's when they got the third goal and put the game to bed. It was at that moment that the game flipped. Arsenal are continuing to impress me game by game. Um, like I said, though, I'm, I'm waiting for the end of October to see how they deal with this set of fixtures um, before I kind of claim that they're a team that's 100% going to make top four or going to challenge even if, if that's a possibility. Um, especially because of City, I'm going to come on to them later. But... Uh, they were impressive. They did everything perfectly, I thought, in that game. they contro- For me, they controlled the game. And they were the home side. But Spurs definitely looked dangerous on the, on the counter. Yeah. I just think that red card really just made it a step too far for them. No, uh, like I agree with what you're saying. But I think first half, Tottenham did have a few chances where they should have buried. Yeah, yeah. If there was a more couple of counters that they definitely should have Yeah, finished. I think if they chose the right pass in the final third. It could have been 2-1 to Tottenham, maybe 3-1 at times. And yeah, I think that clinicalness that they lacked in front of goal, I don't know whether it's due to confidence or the team, because if they went in 2-1, the home fans, dead quiet. They're getting more aggressive towards their team, wanting them, okay, come on, boys, you have to push. Yeah. And that opens up more space for Tottenham. 100%. I think with Spurs, there's one, one point of contention on Spurs that I kind of do wonder, and that is... I, I think they're the second best team in the league. I do think they're going to come second to City. Um, I don't think they might necessarily challenge. And obviously, listen, I'm not writing Arsenal off. We'll see how they continue to perform over the next month. But for me, the the thing with Kane and Son, especially Kane, is that he needs a high volume of shots to, to score. score a high number of goals. Um, he's He's someone who consistently overperforms his expected goals. So that's not an issue, but at the same time, he does need a high amount of chances. And I just wonder whether 
in big games in a Conte team, you're able to create enough chances for him to score. So you're saying right now, Harry Kane's not clinical. He needs no, no, more no, than I'm not saying, I'm not, no. I'm not saying he's mm-hmm. not clinical. What I'm trying to say is, if you look at the numbers, mm. he, he has a, a, a lower conversion rate. And that's not a problem because Cristiano Ronaldo doesn't have a high conversion rate throughout his career, but he scores a high number of goals because he continues to get into the right positions and so on. It's not uh, a criticism of him as a player. It's just a fact that he needs a high volume of chances to score a high number of but, goals. Okay, but then and I wonder whether you'd base that on Tottenham. You wouldn't base that on Kane himself. Are Tottenham creating enough chances? That's for what him? I'm trying to say. So yeah. that what I'm trying to say is, in the past, mm. when he scored a lot of goals, it's because he was given a lot of chances. Yeah. So and and my question is whether in a Conte team, in big games, you can create enough chances for him to convert. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah, I think in in the big games, if they do sit back, they do know they have the chance of hitting the counter. Kane might not be the fastest. No, it's not even about speed. I don't think. I no, think it's more about. Uh, I think uh, it, on the counter, you need you need someone who, if he gets one chance, he's gonna score it. But yeah, I think that's where Richarlison and Son come into play. Yeah, that's true. Because when he comes in deep, collects the ball, and then pings it out to one of them, he's more of like that. Roberto the Firmino focal point that's going to... Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. And he allows the wingers to make inverted runs in behind. And that's why they have their best chances. Maybe, obviously, Richarlison and Son aren't as clinical as Kane. And but the, to be fair, I think they, they probably are as clinical, I'll be honest. Um, but who would rather have in front of goal? Kane, Son no, 100%, or Richarlison? No, 100%. But uh, what I'm saying is that in terms of a player who needs a high number of chances, he, he's that kind of player. And I just wonder whether they're able to create that many chances for him this was only the second game against the top six opponent for Spurs yeah obviously Chelsea was the first two all draw was a good two all draw but a lot of people were saying at the time they got lucky whether that's fair or not I think I think it's a separate conversation they deserved the point but they got lucky in how they got the point yeah and now it's a loss to Arsenal and I look at Arsenal and the, you know, this is their second game against the top six team. They lost to United and now they've won this. But uh, it's just, I wonder if Spurs might have an Achilles heel when facing top six teams. And we'll see how that, I'm sure they're going to get a couple of wins, I think, but yeah. I do wonder. I think they could do what Liverpool did last year where they didn't really win any top ah. six team, but they won the rest of the teams. That's actually a good point because, uh, and, and Liverpool did that while getting a high number of points as well. Yeah. They didn't win a single game they against didn't the top it, yeah. four but they still managed to come you know, second so yeah they've got high. a few draws that's but true that's a few true. losses so it, it could be one of them seasons for Tottenham where maybe they don't produce as well against the big yeah, that, that's a that's a very good point to be honest with you moving on to the Manchester derby not, and it wasn't a great one for, for me for United fans yeah exactly it was 6-3 it's you know you look at it and you think it was a goal fest but you know like, if we're honest the, the scoreline doesn't domination. reflect the yeah. the dominance that Man City had in that game. Uh, what are your thoughts on the game? Uh, I'll give my thoughts in a second, but what are your thoughts as a, as a neutral on, on the game? I think as a neutral, it was a really good game to watch. I think you see how Pep sets his team up and yeah. how even against the big boys, they just, like, they treated them as it was like a training, training ground. Yeah. Like, the way they moved the ball, the way that Pep purposely put players in specific positions. To allow them to produce the best, like look at Bernardo Silva, he gave him that freedom of role. Where if you look at the first goal, with how he pushed him more out towards the left hand side, and he created the first chance um, for Foden's goal. Primarily in the past few years, we see Bernardo more within the central role. So I, I, I thought tactically Pep had everything t- 
to a T. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I agree with that point. For me, it was an example of Pep getting one over Eric Ten Hag. The Bernardo Silva point is a very good point because it was clear to me from the first minute that Delo was getting double teamed. Yeah. By, I think it was, so it was Grealish playing and on the wing and then yeah. Bernardo Silva. Yeah. But basically, I thought it was an example of a game where Ten Hag needed to make adjustments at 1-0 before they took the second half. Yeah. Second goal. They scored three goals in quick succession after the first. But in that period, I thought he needed to make a change because it was very obvious to me where we were losing the game and it was in the midfield. We didn't have any control in the midfield. I, th- I think because he tried to play each player with the midfield to mark, man mark another player. I think that's why they City had more space to run behind. Like, yeah, look but at Grealish. It, I, the, 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 the thing with me is more, if, we, if you want to play with two wingers, you have to make sure against City, you have to make sure the, that them wingers back. are prepared to, to yeah, of come course. back. Yes. Anthony and Sancho aren't them, that kind of winger. Anthony can run around and put a tackle in, but he doesn't come back and support not, his fullback yeah, as not, much as he should. Yeah. Now, when you have a fullback like Delow, you need to come back and support him. I like Delow. I think he's been playing really well. I don't put the blame of him giving up, giving the ball recklessly in the first 10 minutes or getting the yellow card, which shouldn't be the yellow card, yeah. by the way. But I don't put that on him because he wasn't getting any help. And I think the solution would have been, and I was saying this before the game, to be honest with you, and, and the first half kind of convinced me of it a bit more, where I would have played Casemiro, McTominay, Eriksen, Bruno as a diamond. You'd have an extra man in midfield, and then because you're going to be hitting them on the counter You've anyway, you don't need three, yeah. three attackers. Yeah. You can do with two, whether that be Rashford, Anthony, Rashford, Elanga, Rashford, Sancho, whoever that was, uh, and Martial potentially even. Wh- whoever that was, you didn't need three. You could have done with uh, a midfield four that but would have also supported your fullbacks, like we see uh, Rodri do for, for City, City, for yeah. example, or even McTominay has done for United in the past where he would come and cover that right-hand yeah. side, for example. If he covers the right, Casemiro can stay there. But you still McTominay have can't numbers, do yeah. that at the moment in, in a game when he was the only player there. So I, I thought it was maybe a little bit of naivety on Ten Hag's part. What's interesting to me was the second half. Now, I don't really look too much into United necessarily scoring three because naturally you score six goals, you're going to relax. You're gonna, you know, yeah. do you know what I mean? You're gonna let the other team play. But what was interesting, I I got the impression that at four nil, he thought to himself, "We've lost the game anyway. Let's, let me try something. Let me just continue to to do my philosophy and let them do another half of it, even if we are four nil down. Let's just mm. treat it like it's a normal game." Um, and that kind of showed in both the first Martial goal and the penalty one, but where United played it all the way from the back to 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 the penalty box. But you've got to take into account that City made a lot of changes. No, I'm, I'm, I'm taking that into account. I'm taking that into account. I'm just saying... Look, he just pepped I'm just saying okay, his no. attitude wasn't, we're 4-0 down, let me... Let me, Go let me basically yeah, no, no. shop. It was more of a, okay, let's just continue what we're practicing and see where it goes kind of thing. But then I don't think he tried... He, he had an idea that, oh, yeah, United were going to come back. I think he was aware we've lost the game, but he was just kind of seeing yeah, how, how I, I think he could do. No, I, I I think you're right in that way, but I think with with, with City dropping the key players or allowing them to rest for the Champions League, for example, it kind of suited United to get back into the game. Yeah, no, he, he definitely. Gave, listen, Pep gave minutes the, to like players. We, like that, we said at the start, you the, know, the scoreline does not re- reflect how how close the game was. Yeah, but you got to look into the fact where City themselves 
I think after the first half, they thought, okay, you know what, game's done. And let's just not shut up shop, but let's just, just give see plates. the game out. Just see the yeah, game. Yeah, yeah, yeah let's yeah. give minutes to certain players where yeah, no, I get they that. need to. And I think on the day, I thought Pep had everything yeah, spot on Pe- as Pep usual. Yeah, Pep got it spot on, to be fair to him. Let's talk about just, the, just before Haaland, the elephant in the room. Just before I speak about Haaland, I think this is not the first time, though, you've got to admit that Ten Hag got his tactics wrong. When, when else would you say I'd say Brentford. Were it's very f- easy to point out to no, the no, losses. No, not in terms of the loss. I think in terms of how they were getting beaten in the first half. Yeah, but yet that, was a to- that was totally different, though. In, in what fact? It was because with that one, it was a case of us playing the way you that he wants. Mistakes. No, yeah. no, it was the case of us playing the way he eventually wants us to play, which is a high line. And we got exploited because of that. But since then, United have had the 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 deepest line in the Premier League. And I know, we all know what the reason for that is, um, the goalkeeper. But that's why I, I don't think he can compare them no, because I, I, one I, of them, we were you know playing a high line and so on. And this one, it was the totally, it was just a case of getting the match wrong. No, I, I think in t- looking at both games, you can see that even though United have made mistakes where individual players can be called out because of that, the manager himself didn't help himself where he saw something going wrong, two three nil, and he still didn't make changes. For City, for the City game, for City I agree. Brentford, I'd say. Brentford, I don't think you can you can say that because the 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 whole game plan from the start was totally different. No, I, was, I know we're going to play mean, with a high line. But then, okay, you can't if, change that mid game. If I said to you, going into Brentford game, you guys are going to lose four 0 first half. Listen, you're, you're gonna, this you're is not laughing at me. This is Correct? not this is not the point I'm making. I'm no, not, I get your point. You're, but you're, 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 you're missing the point. What I'm trying to say is the City game, the game plan was right. The execution was wrong. Brentford, the game plan was wrong altogether. That's the difference. Yeah, no, I understand that. But I'm saying just not even looking at the game plan or anything. Ten okay, Hag so himself, what, what I'm trying, yeah. When you he say should make, take account of... Of course, and he does. But what I'm trying to say is he should take account that he got the game plan wrong, yes. But you can't adjust that in the middle of the game. You can't suddenly tell a team that's prepared all week playing a high line to suddenly play I think that's a where, deeper line. But then that's where I think elite managers Whereas come City, to play. No, 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 no. With, with the City game, it was different because we didn't need to change how deep we were. It was just a case of we needed more bodies in the midfield. It was, sure. it was totally different. I don't think you can compare them, to be honest with you. But moving on to Haaland. Oh my! This guy there is are a, a no monster, words man. Like to, I've, I've to said describe that. adjectives do not do him justice. Uh, I think remember I think a couple of years ago where there was a debate between who's going to be the best upcoming striker between Haaland and Mbappe. Yeah, I think for me now Haaland cements his place as number yeah. one ahead of Mbappe. I, I I've always been on that side. You know, you know I've always been on that with Haaland. This guy's just an absolute animal in front of goal. Bro, do you know where it is? And the thing is, you don't. I think the funniest thing for me was that when he missed that chance against Liverpool. Yeah, and he laughed. Shield. And yeah, like, it just shows this guy's ego. He's like, yo, this is just community shield. Wait until the Prem starts. Yeah. And this guy's breaking records like it's nothing. Bro. Like, I think he, he will get golden boot and he will He's already break. won the golden boot. And it, he'll break the he, most he, goals within the Prem He's going season. to break the record for, forget that. He's going to break the record of the most goals by a Premier League player. in a Deep season. it, man. This and he's going to break it this season, and he's going to break it next season. He, w- the, the most impressive thing about him is that he doesn't need many touches. Yeah. like He I can think touch the ball not a single time during the 90 minutes. 
I think I saw a stat where and he'll score against he, against uh, in the Champions League in the last Champions League game. Yeah. In the last Champions League game, when they played Dortmund, they were losing one 0 Yeah. The game was going away from them. He hadn't touched the ball a single time. Until he's gone. And he scored with his first touch in the second half. He doesn't need many touches. And that's the scary thing for me. And I saw someone, I think it was on TalkSport, I might be wrong, said, oh, the, the, it's the easy way to stop him is to give him the ball and let the ball be at his feet. And basically, basically his pass, he was trying to say that his passing ability wasn't there. And then I, you look at the, the, the last goal for City, yeah. where because he's on the ball, defenders are drawn to him, create space for Foden. And clear mistake by both Lindelof and Martinez, who had Foden in their line of vision. But Holland just placed the ball through easily. Yeah, uh, even for the second goal. Yeah. The ball in for Foden, pin perfect. Yeah, that, that was, was, that was, that was a nice pass a as well. He's just, listen, he is an absolute cheat code. Like you said, the comparisons yeah. with Mbappe will be there because of their age. I was always on the Haaland camp because of he's just a pure force of nature. And listen, he's made the transition to the Premier League with seamlessly. I think where other players have struggled, that like Jadon Sancho, for example, like Naby Keita has in the past, where other players have struggled to make that transition, he has fit like a glove. Would you say that's because of his physicality and his experience of playing in multiple leagues? Maybe, just maybe, but at the same time, he hasn't really had to use that physicality. I think it's his striker's intuition. Most of his goals have been in the right place at the right time. Yeah, Most of them are one-touch finishes. But I think that's where Pep plays to his game. Yeah, 100%. Well, Listen, I think you have De Bruyne, huh? Because initially, Haaland... It's, it's, it's going to be an easy, easy kind yeah. of... Uh, easy to create chances yeah. for him. I think... Um, but he still has to convert, and he's doing it at a world-class level. He, he, he has I think been, he's just showing up the Prem at this moment. He has been the best player in the world this season. I think that... Without a doubt. I hear the Neymar arguments, but for me, just simply because of the, the level of the league and the level of opposition, it's just... It's not even a conversation, bro. For me, it's... How quickly he's adjusted, like you said. Exactly. But it's in his previous clubs, the w- the way they used to play football was more counter-attacking. Yes. And him coming into City, was that is he going to be suited to press the ball? Not having, or just basically stand there, not yeah, do anything, and, and just and then wait, suddenly wait for have the to ball to come yeah. to him. And and to be fair to him, he's, he's actually taking it well. Fourteen goals in the Premier League. I think it's sixteen or seventeen so far this season in all competitions. This guy is an actual He's joke. seven goals away from matching last season's golden boot. And we've just gone into October. And do you know what's even scarier, Premier League? This guy's going to get a month break during the World during Cup. During the World Cup, yeah. I think, you know, I've seen a tweet where each team should just bring him to the World Cup and give him like yeah, 25 seen minutes. That, yeah, just like, use him as a superstar. Yeah, like it'll He's, make the game more interesting for oh us neutrals to watch. But this guy is just... Uh, he gives me vibes of... His ego is Ibrahimovic, but... Do you know what's funny? I don't even sense like a huge ego from him yet. No, no. He should have an ego. When, you, when I'm seeing, you know, Mbappe having an ego... Yeah. No, but th- this is a health ego where he's critical of himself. Like yes. If he misses a chance, he's not bollocking De Bruyne or Maris. Yeah, yeah, He's yeah. like, why have I not scored that? Or what am I doing? How can I've not finished that chance? And I think that drive that he has... It, it's more of Ronaldo mentality where yeah, I, I want to be the best. Saying. Give I me the ball. I'll, I'll bury the chances. He, he, he's going to 
listen, I think he's inevitably going to have a career like Ibrahimovic where he moves clubs constantly. Multiple leagues, yeah, yeah. And listen, that is a legacy. I think most clubs will will, will take him in. Like it's of it's course a no they brainer. would. No, it's not even a con- it's not even a conversation. And and the reality is, you're gonna win stuff with him wherever you go. The the only issues with him, the only potential issues, as with any player, are injuries. And yeah. so far this season, he's been fine. And with the level of goal scoring he's at, you can afford to rest him. And like I said at the start of the season, I hate it, but I think he's the answer for Manchester City's Champions League questions. Yeah, of course. I think. Like you said earlier on in previous podcasts, I think City with him now, he fits the jigsaw that they've been missing. The miss, the missing piece. Pep I think said, we cannot replace Aguero. And I just think they've, they've done that. Yeah, a player. Let alone, not even Aguero. I think probably better. the backup they have also in Alvarez. I've seen conversations this weekend, whether it's good for football, how good they are, how, how elite they are, how they are probably the best team in the world. And... That's a I conversation so. for another day because of how the money, you know, how how the success was bought and so on. But what I think no one can argue is they look unstoppable. And next, I think uh, two weeks time they play Liverpool. I think and the form Liverpool are in. His, I think this is where he gets his revenge from Community Shield. Truth the form even as Liverpool, Liverpool are in, bruv. You just hope you should hope for an injury next week. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> the one thing that still disappoints me, and I see it every after every performance, is that one tweet of that interview that Alfie gave his dad. Gave talking about why the move to Man United didn't happen, and the famous quote. It has going to be famous probably now after he scores in a couple more Manchester derbies. The coach wanting the player isn't enough. Everyone has to want him. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer wanted him. Yeah. Wasn't backed for £20 million. I think, honestly, it's... Since since that, by the way, since he moved to Dortmund that January, he scored over 100 goals. But In less know. than two years, he scored over 100 goals. I think it just goes to show that United themselves don't really back many managers that they should back. Or and and should. I guess that's different now with Ten Hag, and let's yeah. see how that works out, but... But um, I think when it's a player players. like Haaland, I think when you're not back, you know, with a player like Haaland is, is even worse. Yeah. No, I, I think for 20 million, everyone a would joke, eat your hands. So, it's an absolute yeah, joke. I think it's a mistake again by United. Speaking of Liverpool, um, I want to have a quick conversation about a player who's actually just scored as we are recording this. Um, but it's a player who who has had a lot of conversation surrounding him this last week and a half week week and a half following the internationals and after the the last game before the last game and after the last game that Liverpool played of course being the home draw against Brighton yeah and that's Trent Alexander-Arnold I think Trent is um an incredible talent uh generational maybe even but I think he suffered from the phenomena of hyping up players or, or building up players way, way too early before they've actually done anything in their career, being called one of the greatest of all time and so on, before he's actually done something. And now we're seeing the, you know, the inevitable out of form that every player is going to have. But it, it does bring up conversations and uh, about him as a player, what he's good at, what he's not good at. 
um, and so on. Klopp made some very interesting comments before the game. Yeah. Discussing his defensive struggles and essentially saying they're not down to him, they're more down to the way Liverpool play, taking responsibility for that and saying um, the way that Liverpool play opens him up to be counter-attacked, essentially, and exposed. Yeah. Exposed. First of all, what are your thoughts on Klopp's comments and then uh, give us a, a bit about Trent as well, as a Liverpool fan, of course. I think Klopp is right in, number one, protecting his players in the media. I think oh, 100%. E- e- each I agree manager with that. has to do that. And with that, it gives them the belief that they can say whatever they want to players in private. And that discussion is perfect because for Klopp, he can tell him exactly what he thinks. Maybe he he's exactly right what the media thinks, but he would never say that out publicly. And I think point number two is that he is right in what he's saying to the media in, in the sense of he's allowing Trent more freedom to push up the field to kind of explore more attacking role rather than a defensive role. Because he knows, look, Liverpool's way of playing are pushing their fullbacks higher up, allowing them to be more involved in play. And not many yeah. teams in Europe do that. They give more of a freedom towards uh, number eight or number 10. Because Liverpool don't really have an attacking-minded midfielder. They've got a, a deep-line playmaking role in Thiago. They don't have a number 10 where you can pick up the ball. You know he's going to get 20 assists, 10 assists within a season. He's the creative out. And, yeah, and, and he has to, and because of that, he has to play him in he has where, to play him, basically. Like, okay, so, so on that point, I, I, he has to play because he's the creative outlet. And I think a lot of people would agree that he is the creative output yeah, outlet in your team alongside probably Thiago, which is correct. Okay, so let me, let me give you a scenario. Yeah. Let's say Cavallo turns into a world-class playmaker or you buy a world-class playmaker. Do you think then, because you have that creative outlet elsewhere, that that puts into question Trent's role or position in the team? No. I think it's, it's, it's even if you have a separate creative outlet. Yeah. Okay. Think about it. if, for example, let's just say we, with that number number ten that you were talking about, let's just say that we signed. If he's been marked out of position, and most teams will predominantly try to stop him from getting the ball, or what I'm saying is that you have to have multiple options of attacking minded yeah, players so, on so the pitch, you, you, and Trent you, has to be one of them. So you 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 leave your opponent second guessing essentially. Yeah. I get that. I don't think Klopp was wrong in what he said in terms of Liverpool's style of play exposes Trent of course. defensively. I don't think that was wrong. Where I think he... And, and by the way, you're right. Always protect your players in... in The media. In the media. Always. Fergie, always move the, the shift onto him. Every single good manager always shifts the conversation or the blame or ever, anything away from the players, 100%. But why I do... Th- think that he ignored or maybe like you said he knows it but he can't talk about it is that Trent's defensive issues are not solely when Liverpool are attacking or when Liverpool are trying to create chances or when he's getting hit on the break in the space behind him that's not the only time that he's getting exposed and that's the issue yeah that that for example the 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 United game was an example of that for example yes he's getting hit on the counter Uh, accept it then after Klopp comes out with them comments and then you look at how Trossard treated him for the first goal for example yeah no I'm, I'm, I'm like the, the the reality is the defensive issues aren't solely on on the way they play he does have some defensive deficiencies him on the back post when it comes to crossing horrendous for 100% example 100% agree with that yeah I think because if you look at Robertson on the other side 
he offers you attacking threat in terms of getting the crosses and getting you a few, a few assists, but he does his number one job of defending. 100%. Now, if Trent uh, I really like was as good as Robertson in terms of defending, he'd then be, there'd he'd be, be no complete. conversation. There'd be but no conversation then. The thing is, as a Liverpool fan watching Trent, you see some games where he has elite defensive interceptions and he puts big name players in his pocket. The one I that comes c- come that. to remember, Leroy Sine in the Champions League. This was where he was in his peak form at City. He kept him quite all game. But Leroy, Leroy offered something going at forward. City was still obviously grown into the player he became. He, no, but like that's I don't think you could cons- call you, him a there's, top there's multiple games where he's done really well. And I think you, we've got to take into a part that with Robertson, he's got Van Dijk on his side. With Trent, it always alternates to either Matip, Konate, Joe Gomez. He doesn't mm. have a fixated centre-back that you can trust. I think we've seen the best but out I, of him. I agree with that, but that doesn't stop him getting done by one-on-one on, one on one No, situations. no, I 100% agree. I think that you could say maybe the hype of him being regarded as one of England's best right-backs has got to his head where... Yeah, he's been. Do you think to it's an ego problem? hundred percent, I, I, I think it is. I think he thinks I've won everything in terms of trophies for club level, and I, I think you do get he's, that he's ego with him. Yeah, like, like you do get that ego of oh, I've, I've completed not completed football, but completed what many players within their generations could not do. Yeah, a lot of players haven't won. Is it? Listen. I think everything in football, there's a balance in everything. And I like to be balanced in my views. Uh, and, and and this is just another one. Listen, Trent is an insane talent. He, like I said, he is still six years off his peak. Do you know what I'm trying to say? So he still has potential to grow and improve and so on. That, without a shadow of a doubt, he was going to do. Uh, yeah. The where What it comes down to, in my opinion is uh, situational. I think it's situational. I think it depends on the team, depends on the manager, depends on the players around him, like you said. If he has a, people to protect him, whether that be in the defensive midfield position or in the centre-back position, it's, it's it's like a risk and reward. Is the risk of him getting done worth the reward of his attacking output and ability? In the last couple of years, yes, absolutely, Philip Bullet has yeah. been, because you've had that ability to protect his deficiencies. I think the question comes when when you don't have that ability to protect his defensive efficiencies, then I think the risk outweighs the reward. When it comes to the England conversation with Trent, yeah. without a shadow of a doubt for me, he has to be in the squad. I don't think he's getting taken. Listen, Southgate's the manager. That's the problem, right? Yeah. I don't think it's even a conversation whether he should or shouldn't be in the squad. Starting... Okay, I, I get that. It should be a conversation because it should be a conversation with every single player in the squad, by the way. No player is exempt from um, whether he should start or not because it depends on situations again. Every single position on the pitch, including the goalkeeper position, depends on the opponent, depends on the other players around him. So for me, whether he starts or not depends, th- but he has to go. I think looking at the group that England are in, now, you're expected to dominate most of the teams that you're in. There. I don't think they will. I don't think they will. You've I don't think Iran, they dominate against the USA. America, and you've also Wales. got Wales. I don't think they dominate against the USA. I think this is in where... In terms of possession, I don't think so. England have been at the best when they haven't had possession. And um, I don't know whether they, they will have possession against the USA. I think against the other two teams, potentially. 
because I get your point. In a position yeah. possession based team, you would want you need multiple attacking minded players to try and break them down. Where yeah. you've got a deep block of centre backs hogging it and trying to counter attack. This is why you need, for example, you've got forward and you've got mount, but having attacking minded right back, Madison should go and Trent. I think yeah, I, I think you're right with Madison as well. Um, listen, I, like I said, I think he definitely has to go. I personally wouldn't start him, personally. I, I, th- I, I think yeah. I put Trippier, Cal Walker, Reese James, all options for me ahead of him if you're playing a big team. And then if you're playing a possession-based team, I agree with your point that but you want... Don't you think... And by the way, it do, it, I, I, don't, I think there are games, even against big teams, where you can't play Trent. If you play a back five... Which the England normally do. Which they normally do. I think, you know, potentially you could play him. I don't think it's a, it's a big issue playing him. I just think... The only issue with playing him in a back five system is because he likes to come inside but when, he's, when he's creating yeah. chances. He might. What you need sometimes with a back five is you need more width. If he's able to to do that, I think that's totally fine. But um, it's interesting to see. I I really hope he does go to the World Cup. L- listen, Southgate Southgate's not going to be the manager after the World Cup, if we're being honest, um, and rightly so because I just don't think he he's going to be he's making the correct decisions at the moment. But guys, let us know your opinions. Do would you take Trent um to the World Cup? Do you think that he is someone who can potentially go on to be one of the best right backs of all time, or do you think he is an example of the English media overhyping their players? Before we start our NFL segment, um, I want to do something that I wanted to do a couple of weeks back, and I I forgot to do, and that is to let you ask me questions that someone who's new to the NFL might not know, and okay. I'll do my best to help answer it and give a clearer picture of the game and the league and, and, and so on. So what's your what's, what's your question for this week, Osama? Yeah, I think um, just to help our fans, uh, how does the league work itself? Okay, so the NFL is similar to the NBA in that it's broken up into two conferences where the NBA has West and East. This has the NFC and the AFC. Both conferences have 16 teams and each conference is divided into four divisions. And there's four teams in each division. Now, through the season, every team now plays 17 games. It used to be 16. Now plays 17 games in the in the season. Six of them are against teams in their own division. And then the others are spread across the league, depending on the strength of schedule of the previous year. Once the regular season finishes, you go into the playoffs, where you have the first round. That is called the wild card round because the team with the best record in each conference gets a bye. They go automatically through to the next stage. Okay. And then the the, the other teams who, who have won their division individually would play each other in plus three wild card teams, which is called the wild card round. Following that, the the team with the best record in the conference would join them, and it would be essentially like a quarter final. Or okay. a semi-final, if you're going to look at it as a conference level, which is called the divisional round. Yeah. The winners of that go into the conference finals, and the winners of the conference finals each go to the into Bowl. the Super Bowl. Uh, so that's an idea of how the the league works, and uh, I hope that's helpful, guys. Any questions you have about it, we want to increase our knowledge and your knowledge of how the NFL or other major sports work. So if you are interested in it, you have more understanding about how it works and enjoy it while you're watching it more. Moving on finally to our second segment of the show, 
another interesting week of uh, NFL action. We saw the Chiefs take on uh, Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in a thriller, uh, the Sunday night game, which ended 41-31. to 31. Uh, a, a thriller of a game, but the conversation has to start there after that performance by Patrick Mahomes again. Just, I, I'm, I'm tired of the conversation of who's the best quarterback in the league. Because I, I get it makes things interesting, but it's like if 10 years ago you were asking who's the best player in the league, in the NBA, it's LeBron James. You know, is there anyone better than Ronaldo Messi? No, there isn't. It's, it, it's got to that point for me where he's clearly the best. There's other good players. I think it's, yeah. But wow, bro, that performance against Tampa Bay, for them to get that lead so early was impressive, wasn't it? Yeah, I think going back to your point of Mahomes, I think I think most NFL fans or pundits are trying to hold on to the nostalgic factor of being Tom Brady is a GOAT and uh, he, seeing a listen, young GOAT. I think he is the GOAT. I just don't think that title is safe. Yeah, I think now it, it's harder for them to kind of pass on the baton to a younger Patrick Mahomes where they want to see him win as many rings for them to class him as a GOAT. Yeah, and... and, and th- I don't think he even has to do that to him. I think if he gets to five rings, I think that's impressive because three or, three or four of Tom Brady's rings, he was, I think he scored one touchdown in like the, the player front is because yeah. it, was, it was mainly the defense. But what impressed you the most yeah. about I think, um, the, uh, the game against the, the Buccaneers? What impressed me most about the Chiefs last night was the balance in the offense. They didn't just do what we know they can do, but their own game looked like it took it to another whole level. Like, Mahomes was the key without having to do anything. And he even just showed after that, even if they've lost Tyreek, they, they still seem to have balance in the team, which, and you can just see that within their performances this season. Yeah, 100%. I thought that the the, the dual threat now, that they can throw it through the air, they can also mm. run at you. Um, the, you know, the, the pick, the seventh round pick, was absolutely running the, the Bucks defense all over the place. And we have to remember this Bucks defense going into the game was the best defense in the league all season. And what did Patrick Mahomes and, and the Chiefs do? They ran almost 200 yards on them. They they got to the red zone more times in that one game than all Buccaneers three, let yeah. all season, which was yeah. five, and they let them. It was six during the game. It was five before that. And I understand the the idea of saying. Oh, it's not all Mahomes, or it's not all Kelsey. It's great play calling by by Andy Reid, but you need great players to let great play calling, yeah, work. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. And especially for me, especially that flick touchdown. That yeah, the I think his instinctive moment of just running away from him, and then you thought, okay, you know what, he's lost it here, but it's. And then just that, that spin instinct, after yeah. and then just chips it. Just a little throw where you thought, oh crap, like, yeah, I didn't expect that. And I think we need to start expecting the unexpected from Mahomes. Cause yeah, honestly, he you expect the unexpected and he still manages to surprise you. The Honestly, the, like, the, the plays, the, the tricks, the flicks, the flair. I just don't know how you can't enjoy watching yeah. him play. Well, <laughs> I think one being the opposing fan. But yeah, like as a neutral, I think this guy is. is the young and upcoming goat. Yeah, listen, and I think I, that's without. I doubt. I really, I, honestly, I have I've got a sneaky feeling that we might see a Super Bowl of 
the game that we just saw of the Buccaneers and the Chiefs. The Chiefs, I think, goes you without think- saying, they are potentially the best team in their division and they can make it. With the Bucks, though, I'm looking at the NFC and it looks weak. This yeah. Year. And the only team, obviously, listen, shout out to the Eagles, 4-0, the only team unbeaten. But apart from them, you know, your team, the 49ers, got the win last night. They yeah. look incredible doing it. You know, their opponents, the Rams, definitely didn't look like they were Super Bowl champions. I just think it would be a nice moment to see that and obviously Mahomes to, to win this time. But they are they are tied at 3-3 three and three now in, in the games that they yeah. played each other. If it was a Super Bowl between these two, do you think that Tom manages to get another one over Mahomes and, and get the 8-3? And do you think Mahomes can finally get one over? I think... Individually, it'd be tough to try to pick one of them. I think it all depends on the team and how they play. I think with the Chiefs that it showed last night, I thought they were top tier in terms of the performances that they put in. And yeah, look, you have two goats at either side of their careers. And it's just trying to see if... I think that they both can help the team as much as possible, but it's... Just trying to see whether the team can help them. I yeah, that's exactly. the main question yeah, that you have to ask yourself. Like we saw in the last one when the, the Chiefs offensive line just wasn't doing their job and they had to get yeah. a whole new one. Um, I, I, I think I would love that to happen. I really would love for Patrick to get a second ring against Brady. And I think that probably would mean um, Brady calling it a day at that stage if, if that was to happen. Um, I think I would like to see that. Um, moving on to the other big game uh, on the weekend, which... A lot of people looked forward to, and it was a very strange game. It was a comeback win for the Bills, of course, between uh, against the Ravens. Um, but it was a very strange game because the Ravens took an early 20-30 lead yeah. and then didn't manage to make a single point after that. And the game really came down to two main decisions by the head coach, Harbour. The first was choosing uh, to go for it on fourth and goal instead of kicking and getting the three points. And that didn't work out. And then the second was obviously, instead of just letting the Bills score easily so they would have enough time to come back at them, they uh, decided to actually close them down and defend. Uh, and, you know, we saw one of their players obviously distraught by that decision and quite yeah. angry on the touchline. What were your thoughts on the game before I come on to these decisions? What, what, who impressed you the most, the Bills or the Ravens? Because the Bills obviously got the win in the end, but there's aspects to both teams' games that, that kind of made me question them. I think you've got to give respect to the Bills for having the mentality of coming back. I think it's really hard for a team to be that down and you think, okay, most likely out. It's like the first game they've won in two years, I believe, where they've come back and they've won with a three-point or less. And I think it just shows, yeah, like going back to the mentality of, yeah, they might be down and out, but I don't think they give up. And you've got to respect that. Yeah, 100%. They, uh, like you said, the, those are conversations over the weekend whether they have the ability to win close games, but they really showed that they can um, coming back from 23 down and then obviously closing out the game. They didn't show, it wasn't a case of them showing that the only way they can beat a team was if they dominated. Coming on the, to the decisions, I, I want to know which one you found more baffling. For me, the one that surprised me the most was the first one. Because I understand that the analytics says you shouldn't, you, you should go for the fourth down then. But at the same time, 
just take the points. Like you have to understand yeah. game situations. I feel where just take the points and, and then trust your defense. The 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 Ravens defense was doing quite good throughout the game, even though they let the comeback. But trust them to 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 get the for, the four and out, or even to force a field goal, because otherwise you you you're kind of emphasizing one side of the of the game over the other. Well, which one for you was was more more interesting, the first or the second? I think for me, I've got to disagree with you. I've got to say the second one baffled me the most. I think where they should have just let let him score and then get the ball with a minute and a half to go. I think because they trusted Lamar once, and even though it didn't work, that would have been like the best chance to win in that situation for me. I think the problem with was, I think the problem with the first was that it wasn't necessarily choosing to go for it on the fourth. It was the execution that was off. I get, I get that point. I do get that point, and I'm inclined to agree with you with the terms of the point of it being because of the execution, because I think they don't anticipate that ball being. Um, intercepted. Yeah. In their head, it's even if we don't make it, they're they're starting on the two yard line, and we are, you know, forcing them to, um, start so further back that we, won't, we might get it. the yeah. ball back instantly. Yeah. Anyway, so I understand that, and and maybe it was the execution, and that's what Lamar himself said. He took responsibility for that and said it wasn't the wrong decision. It was him that should have executed it better. Um, but I think it, it it just highlights another interesting conversation when it comes to analytics with within the NFL and their role, um, because that was an analytics play where maybe it was the moment to go for a feel rather than the numbers. Yeah. I think that's all for this week, Osama. Thank you for, for joining me as always. It's been an hour as usual. Next week, be sure to tune in at the same time where we'll be discussing all the fallout from the Champions League's return as well as the big game, Arsenal versus Liverpool. Will Arsenal manage to continue their great form or will Liverpool finally get their season back on track? I'm sure you're looking forward to that one, aren't you? Um, I think you know what, I might not even watch that game. I'd be afraid of it. <laughs> nah, I think, I think you guys will be all right, I'll be honest. Thank you again, guys, for joining us. Be sure to like, share, subscribe. Leave your opinions on our opinions. Have a great week. And until then, keep it locked.